The views expressed herein reflect the views of the Whistler Agency as of the date of publication. These views may change as conditions change. The views expressed herein are not intended and should not be construed as investment advice, and they do not address any individual's specific situation. Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to Tim Whistler's podcast, Whistler While You Retire. I'm Patrice Sakora, and I have to admit, Tim has the most intriguing titles for his topics. Everything from Zero is My Hero to this episode's the IOU in your IRA to the IRS. All right, you may have to take a minute, but it does make sense because Tim is about to explain the important difference between tax-deferred and tax-free when it comes to retirement accounts. All right, Tim, you're on. Tell us more about that awesome title. Thank you, Patrice. I sincerely appreciate your kind words and your compliment. You know, I, I simply just do my absolute best uh, to keep things simple while also trying to help people power and inspire them to take some action and possibly engage with me, you know, and I absolutely love what I do and just try to have some fun while helping them, you know, while helping others out there. So in this particular episode, what I'd like to accomplish is simply just to bring awareness that there is a silent partner that has a stake in a portion of your 401k and IRA accounts. Back in the 70s, I, growing up, I absolutely loved TVs. Now in the 70s, I was pretty young, but I still kind of recall some things from back that time frame. But <laughs> there, there was a TV commercial for Fram oil filters with a mechanic who's working on this car. And he looks at the camera and he goes, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. And, you know, I, I, when he said that, mm -hmm. I just, when I thought about that commercial, I think it just kind of resonates with how the, how the IRS works. You know, in fact, there was an IRS auditor who was quoted by saying, the trick is to stop thinking of it as your money. Like, goodness gracious. <laughs> yes. You know, so you really can. You can pay the taxes now or you can pay them later. And in a previous episode, I mentioned that there, was, there has been a paradigm shift in how employees receive retirement benefits. So just a few decades ago, there were what they called defined benefit plans, mm -hmm. you know, like pensions. You get a reward for working a number of years at the same company. But as companies are pulling back from offering pensions anymore, they're being replaced with defined contribution plans. This is what places the responsibility now on the shoulders of the employee to contribute to their plan. So an example of a defined contribution is a 401k, right? Most people are familiar with a 401k. Right. So your contributions are, are pre-tax, which lowers today's taxable income. So for example, let's say that your gross wages are, are $1,000 a paycheck and you're allocating 5% to your 401k. So in that case, 50 bucks is going to your 401k, which means your taxable income is down to 950. Mm -hmm. And then to sweeten the incentive, the incentive to contribute to a 401k, some companies will match your contributions up to a certain percentage, but, but all funds, you know, from your contributions, the company match and the growth of the account will grow tax deferred and will result in taxes being due some point down the road. Okay. Now, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but is there a way to pay those taxes now? Is it smart to pay those taxes now or should you wait? 
Well, unfortunately, the IRS puts a stipulation on that. Anytime we're there, if we would touch any funds from a 401k, and unless it's a specific life event, and if we're be, be younger than the age of 59 and a half, not only will you get will you pay the taxes on it, but you'll also pay a penalty. So there, there has to be some strategy involved when it comes to looking at, can we possibly get the IRS share out of the equation sooner than later? And, and a lot of times we have to be aware of that penalty that's in there. Okay. So what's the best way to take advantage of a 401k? Well, first of all, quite simply is to, if your company that you're working for offers it, by all means, take advantage of it and sign up. I, I tell you, it still just blows my mind when I come across somebody who's just like, yeah, I intend to get signed up for someday, but I just haven't, you know, and, and that, I'm sorry, that's just, that's just one of the biggest mistakes, what I call a pre-retiree can make. Now, a pre-retiree, I'm not talking somebody, you know, about somebody who's within five or six years of retirement. I'm talking decades away, okay? And one of the mistakes they make is by not creating a line item in their budget to pay themselves. And yep, yep, I sure did. I just dropped the B word. I said the budget word. Right. right? If you don't have one, we got to set a goal to set it up right away. You know, it's it's not going to be as enjoyable as say listening to a podcast, maybe. It'll take discipline to manage it and to stay within the boundaries. But it's so absolutely imperative that you have one. And I'll give you a quick story. About five years ago, I met with a couple who responded to one of my radio ads and they wanted to meet and kind of assess where they were at. And this couple, I'd never met them before. They had completely come in, you know, to my office unsolicited and um, their family, they were dinks. That's an acronym for double income, mm -hmm. no kids. Okay. It's just kind of high classified. <laughs> right. And both of them had, had good jobs, being paid well, um, worked for the same company, you know, six figures well into a 401k. And as I'm going through the fact finding process with them, and I'm going from income to assets to expenses. Then I come to everybody's favorite section of liabilities. And he's like, oh yeah, we got a little bit of a mortgage. And so I'm getting, getting details from him. And I said, anything else with a balance? Yeah, we got about $40,000 of credit card debt. Oh. So that, that was my reaction, exactly what you just did. So oh, just yeah. to, to make sure that they understood the severity of that, I clicked my pen, put the pen down on the pieces of paper that I had been writing on, slid them off to the side, folded my hands in front of me and looked at them. I said, now, before we can do anything with that, pointing to the stack of paperwork, I said, we need to take care of this point yes. to that statement. And he, 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 now body language is a big deal. He looked at me, he kind of cocked his head. He goes, what do you mean? And I called him by name. I said, because the interest you're paying on carrying that balance is so far above and beyond anything that I can find for you in the investment world. So could I find something suitable for them? Sure, I could have. We could have gone through risk tolerance, but what would be in their best interest? Yeah. They needed to take care of that first. And when I kind of shared that with him, he looks at his wife and he goes, well, I've heard enough. And she goes, yeah, me too. So they both stand up. So I'm thinking, okay, the meeting's over. <laughs> and they're, they're putting on their coats and she smacks him on the arm. She goes, oh, by the way, tell him what we're getting ready to buy. And I thought, oh dear Lord, this is going to be good. Oh. He, he looks at me with his big grin on his face and he goes, we're going to buy a Tesla. They're fast. Oh my and gosh. <laughs> at that very moment, my mind started spinning like a slot machine. You know, well, how am I going to respond to this in that, you know, that 10th of a second that I had and all I could come up with, you know, with being professional and not being rude was just basically, I said, well, be careful. And uh, <laughs> they shook my hand, said goodbye. I've never heard from them since. But my whole point is, you know, the, the key point is have a budget and what can your budget allow for you to do to set up and contribute to a 401k? Well, one thing too, you mentioned the match and the company, 401k. 
-hmm. If you contribute right from your paycheck, you really don't feel it. It's not right. there. Exactly. It's like breathing. Right. As you're having a conversation, you're inhaling and exhaling, you don't even know you're doing it. It's the same thing. If you can systematically have funds being withdrawn from your paycheck and contributing to a 401k, you don't even know what's happening. And that's that's a huge benefit to be able to set your budget, set it and forget it, and have that 401k be a source of income later on down the road. And if it's being matched. Yes, that's exactly right. That's the key point is just making sure that we understand what is the company offering to us? Is there a match? And can we contribute up at least to that match? So that's a great way to take advantage of a 401k, but you've got to get into the 401k. Are companies, do they make it easy for you to do this? They really do. I mean, it's it's part of the part of the onboarding process. Companies, it, it's been a few years since I've been at a company position, a corporate position, but you know, in engaging with conversation with folks, it's just a simple onboarding process. You know, when they're picking out their health benefits, you know, how much vision, dental, health do they want? Simply selecting 401k is so vital because, you know, they'll give you a menu. They'll say, okay, XYZ is the, the administrator of our 401k. And here's the holdings you get to choose from. And they'll have different options in there available to them. So it's not hard. It's just a matter of taking action and getting the account set up sooner than later. All right. I've got my 401k. I'm going mm -hmm. to retire or... Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not going to retire. I'm going to leave the company. Can sure. I take it with me? You can. So when you leave that company that held your 401k, like you said, either to change to a different job or, or maybe you're going to retire altogether, you have a couple of options. And one of the popular options is to do what they call a 401k rollover. Okay. We roll this 401k into now an IRA. So a traditional Hmm. individual retirement account. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's another, another example of a tax deferred account. And so this, this rollover simply um, gives you more options in which your funds can be held as compared to the menu of holdings offered by that 401k company. How do you do that? So the steps are, are pretty simple. What we want to do is, is kind of plan ahead because, you know, if we leave the employer either by, by retirement, or maybe we're at a different job, they're okay with holding on to your money for a little while. So it gives you kind of some time to, you know, think through some things, you know, what do I want to do? Where do I want to put the funds? You know, we talked of in a previous episode of a vehicle, you know, the difference between a Jeep and a Corvette, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's the same thing here. So it gives us time to kind of analyze that. So you kind of want to plan ahead. So what I usually encourage people to do is once we have a plan in place, let's roll the funds over with what we call a direct transfer. That way it doesn't pass through you it simply goes from one entity to another. And by doing so, number one, there's no taxes being owed for that transfer. As long as it doesn't pass through us, right? Through, mm -hmm. through our account, it goes from one entity to another entity, then that way there's, it's not a taxable event. So for example, about four years ago, I met this lady named Sarah. She's 47 at the time. She just retired from a company with 25 years. So she graduated college, went right to work. And this particular company had offered her a pension. So after 25 years, they came to her and said, Hey, you know, you've qualified for this. And you know, if you want to take the pension and take the 401k and move on, you know, it's kind of the today's nature. They kind of want to try to get people off their books. So, right. so she said, sure, that's, that's fine. So she now had access to that 401k and part of the get acquainted conversation that I have with folks is not just the facts and figures, but it's, you know, also learning about, you know, what's your vision? What, what do you want to do here at 47? What do you want to do in retirement? Well, in her case, she wasn't retiring full-time from work. She just was, re you know, just retiring full-time from that company because she wanted to spend more time working on some real estate properties that she owned. 
And her family also had a greenhouse business. So she wanted to spend more time doing those things. Mm -hmm. So when we were talking through that, we walked through her, I walked her through the process of helping her roll that 401k into an IRA. And ironically enough, she took advantage of the uh, strategy we talk about in the zero is your hero episode. And uh, so now that those funds have been rolled from a 401k into an IRA. Now, you did mention IRAs are tax deferred. Mm -hmm. That means there's still taxes there. That's right. Tell me about yep. that. So tax deferred, it's basically kicking the can down the road and saying, okay, I want to pay taxes later. So for example, let's talk about maybe somebody that's in a higher tax bracket today, and they're looking for ways in which to lower the tax burden. So a traditional IRA can certainly be helpful for that because if you set up a traditional IRA, the contributions you make to that can be tax deductible. So it can help maybe alleviate you know, that burden for, for the current year. Okay. So again, that's where I encourage people, look, you know, to work with a CPA, sit down. They're, they're the tax experts. That's their job. They, they, need, they speak the IRS code very, very well. So, you know, consult with them. But again, I just always kind of remind people, not saying there's a bad thing about tax deferred. We just have to be aware of what's lurking down the road. And one of the things that lurks down the road is what they call an RMD, a required minimum distribution. So this is the time of frame time frame in your life when the IRS requires you to begin withdrawals if you haven't already begun the withdrawals. And by current law right now, the RMDs begin the year you turn 72. How much is someone's RMD? How is it calculated? Well, what they do, it's, it's based upon your age that helps determine the minimum amount. So what they do is they look at what's the total of the balance of your retirement funds as of December 31st of the previous year. So for example, you know, we, we might have, have, we might have an IR, IRA that we've rolled over from a previous job and we, we may now have retired from a second company with a 401k. So we total those tax deferred account balances together. Okay. So then we take that total balance as of December 31st of the previous year. And then that figure is divided by a life expectancy factor that the IRS provides, and that determines the amount that needs to be taken. They don't make this easy, do they? No, not no. at all. <laughs> and, and, and I tell people, you know, we really want to pay attention to this because failing to comply with the RMD results comes back at you with a 50% tax penalty. 50%? So 50%. So we have to absolutely make sure that we don't miss this. And as I kind of tell people, again, making sure that not only do we have the RMDs being calculated properly and taking the RMDs, but also just being aware that when these RMDs become a part of our income and they count as taxable income, again, there's, there's a snowball effect. They can impact your social security benefits. They can impact your Medicare premiums. So again, if, if we can maybe do some planning ahead prior to turning 72 and maybe start taking out some money ahead of that time, maybe then it lowers a little bit of the tax liability in that year and every year beyond 72. Hmm. All right. So that's planning ahead there. Definitely. Yep. Now, again, you mentioned tax deferred. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to pay the taxes first so that you do not have to worry about them later on? So again, it, it, trying to abide by the IRS codes. Okay creating tax-free from taxable accounts is one way we can do that. Okay. Right. So one of the most common tax-free vehicles that reside out there is a Roth IRA. Okay. okay. So there's IRA versus Roth IRA. Correct. Okay. Exactly right. So, and even today's world, you know, I want to back up a little bit, talking about the 401k, 
be sure to do your due diligence with your employer because they may also offer a Roth 401k. Okay. So the Roth is a keyword because Roth stands for tax-free. It's just a tax-free vehicle. So, so like, for example, the difference between the traditional IRA and the Roth, as we talked before, the traditional IRA is funded with pre-tax dollars. So therefore you're creating a tax deferred account. So you'll pay taxes when you start taking money out. Mm -hmm. The Roth IRA is funded with after-tax dollars. You've paid taxes at today's levels fund of the Roth IRA. And then after certain requirements are met down the road, when you take money out, they come out tax-free. Okay. Now there are contribution requirements, you know, based upon an age, you know, how much can you put into the contract each year based is determined by your age. There's also income limits. So again, we have to abide by certain rules and guidelines that the IRS sets up for us. But again, the beautiful thing about that is, is you're using today's tax code dollars or dollars based upon today's tax codes, I should say, to fund something that could potentially provide you tax-free money down the road. So one of the one of the ways that I try to help encourage people do this is to really try to maximize your Roth IRA. And that's not an easy thing to do because, for example, the contribution requirements, or, or I should say the limits, if somebody is younger than 50 years of age, they can contribute up to $6,000 a year in their Roth IRA. That's not a lot. It's really not a lot. No. But you know what's really sad though, Patrice, is unfortunately a lot of people struggle to get to that dollar amount. Um, if you're 50 and beyond, they give you what they call a catching up period and you can contribute $7,000 a year. So again, it gives us an opportunity to at least put some funds in there. So just trying to help set that goal for people, as we alluded to earlier, you know, make sure you're setting up your 401k and, and you, you brought in that point about a company match. So my suggestion for people is to at least contribute to your 401k Mm-hmm. up to the level that the company will match. Because again, it's, I, you can't really use the word, it's free money, but it, it boosts your account value a little bit. Right. Okay. Right. So by all means, take advantage of that. But let's say your budget allows you to contribute maybe five or 6% more than the company match. Well, leave that money at home, take after-tax dollars from it and use those funds to fund your Roth IRA. So you know, I, I, I brought up the B word a while ago. I mentioned budget. That's not something a lot of people like to talk about. So here's where I'm going to kind of lay down the, the challenge for people. Look at the money you're spending. Grab your bank accounts from the last two or three months. Look at the amount of money you're spending on your cell phone service, maybe your streaming services, maybe Starbucks. Okay. And then compare that to your Roth IRA contributions. Okay. The beautiful thing about a podcast is I can do this where I'm not face to face with anybody. So, so I'm not, nobody's going to be mad at me. Right. But it's a challenge. Which side's receiving more money? If you're putting more money into things that you want instead of things that you need, I'm sorry, I'm going to classify tax-free income as something you need. Then we need to maybe make a a change. So, you know, if you, if you're, if we're under 50 years of age and we can put $6,000 in, that's 500 bucks a month. So this is where, again, kind of challenge. I kind of challenge folks to not be like that Tesla couple. If you can't budget your money today with earned income and set aside $500 a month for a tax-free retirement account, I wouldn't spend too much time on your retirement dream board because you're probably not going to get there. We we have to be disciplined in our budget and set up a 401k, being systematic with your contributions, and by all means, maximizing a Roth IRA is, is putting you in the driver's seat to have a wonderful retirement lifestyle. Is there a best place to have your Roth IRA? You know, each account that you can kind of pick from, or I should say each type of vehicle you can use, we get to pick from three different characteristics, safety, liquidity, and growth. 
Okay, we usually get to pick two. So for example, we'll, we'll pick through, we'll go through these. Safety and liquidity, CD, right? Mm -hmm. CD safe, right, it's right. liquid. Does it grow? Nope, nope not more. Not now. Right? <laughs> liquidity and growth, investment account. Investment account's liquid. Can it grow? Sure. Is what? it necessarily safe? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. How about safety and growth? We'll refer back to zeros, your hero. So the best place for my Roth IRA really determines what are we trying to accomplish? What is the tolerance for the funds that are going to sit inside that Roth IRA? Do we want them to grow? Do we need them to be liquid because we need to take them out right away? What about safety? So those elements really kind of come into the equation as we're trying to figure out what is the best place for that Roth IRA. All right. Do beneficiaries get treated differently in a traditional IRA versus a Roth IRA? Oh my goodness. That is a fantastic question. And um, unfortunately they do. Passing of a person who owns a traditional IRA doesn't remove the IRS from the picture. They're just like, okay, well, we'll just go to the next person. So Ooh, really? Yeah, unfortunately. So for example, husband and wife, right? If one passes away, the surviving spouse can take over the IRA as and claim it as their own. Okay. But when an IRA is passed to a non-spouse beneficiary, it's now considered to be an inherited IRA. Oh, yes. And the recent passing of the SECURE Act, with everything that's been going on, this kind of lost, got kind of lost in the weeds a little bit in, in most people's world, but in our world, it was, it was top of the headline. They included a new rule on inherited IRA. The new rule now states that when you inherit a traditional IRA from your mom or dad, the account value has to be zero after the 10th year of your parents passing away. So in other words, you have to draw that down whether you want to or not. That's exactly right. Previous to this, inherited funds could be stretched out based upon the life expectancy of the beneficiary, but but no more. So um, if we're inheriting the traditional IRA, again, as we know, the IRS is going to take a claim to it. And if we have to spend down a count over 10 years, we're going to be paying taxes on that. Now, the Roth IRA, if you're inheriting a Roth IRA that, that was funded for five years or more prior to the death of the original owner, then yes, those distributions can be tax-free but again, it's under the same rule. The account value has to be spent down by the 10th year of your parents' passing. So as I'm sitting down with clients and they've got kids involved in the picture, you know, adult kids and that sort of thing, I'm still, you know, and, they, and then we start kind of transition the conversation maybe into a legacy conversation. You know, we're all going to leave a legacy. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? And if they start talking, talking about that, that's another key element of trying to maybe start that conversion process from tax deferred to tax free, not only for their benefit, but also for the benefit of their kids. All right. So I am, I am working, I have an uh, IRA, I am contributing to that and I'm paying the taxes ahead of time, but I want to have a Roth IRA afterwards so that I, I can get tax free income. What, how can I make these things mesh? Well, when I went to college, I majored in economics and that entire time, they were constantly just bombarding us with the phrase macro and micro, right? Big picture, right. little picture. And I believe that to be so important that clients understand that we view taxes the same way. So my role is to help clients look at taxes at the macro level, the big picture, you know, taxes over your lifetime in retirement. And as we've talked to be, you know, talked about before, there's a very good chance you could live two or three decades into retirement. So we really truly want to look at this from a big picture. And I utilize a planning software that does a great job of not only providing the view from year to year, kind of the micro view, but also on the, the big the big picture, the macro view. Mm -hmm. And that's why I always, always encourage my clients also to work with a CPA. Find a great CPA 
somebody who's very competent in what they do and help them mitigate your tax liability for that current year. But, but to, your, to your question, Patrice, the Roth conversion is the process of converting funds from a tax deferred account like the traditional IRA into a tax-free account like a Roth IRA. And this is, this is where I believe it to be absolutely critical that we give this serious thought. And here's why. The Constitution was written in ink, but tax codes are written in pencil. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, and, and we think about what that is. Okay, we know the tax codes and what they are today, but do we know what they're going to be, be when these current tax codes sunset in a few years? No. Here's another thing we need to look at. Be aware of the numbers. It's not fun to look at, but we also know that our deficit continues to compound at a ridiculous pace. In fact, I did some research on this not too long ago. In the span of the conversation that we've been having right now, since we started to the time when we finish here shortly, the deficit will have increased by nearly $70 million, okay? The strain on Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security is getting worse. Where on earth do we think tax rates are going to go? They're only going to go up. That's pretty much the premise. So yeah. the phrase that I share with people, it's not what you earn, it's what you keep, is not only a good rule of thumb to follow when it comes to retirement income planning, maybe protecting from volatility, but we also need to have that same conversation and get some analysis on the tax deferred portfolio and start the process of converting those funds into a tax-free status as soon as possible. Because again, in the big picture, tax deferred isn't bad, but tax-free is so much better. Tim, how can people reach you if they've got questions? And boy, I would have questions. <laughs> Good. Excellent. <laughs> Success. They can reach me a couple of different ways. My phone number is area code 309-291-0491. And my email address is tim at thewhistleragency.com. And remember, that is Whistler without the T, W-H-I-S-L-E-R, Tim Whistler. Make sure you know when a new episode of Tim's Whistler While You Retire is ready for you, too. All you have to do is use the subscribe button on this page, and you can also share with the share button. I'm Patrice Sakora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment advisory and financial planning services offered through Simplicity Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance, consulting, and education services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth LLC. This podcast is designed to provide general information on the subjects covered. It is not intended to provide specific legal or tax advice and cannot be used to avoid penalties or to promote, market, or recommend any tax plan or arrangement. You are encouraged to consult your personal tax advisor or attorney. The 10% IRS penalty may apply to retirement account withdrawals prior to the age of 59 and a half.